0: Today with Catherine Ruinala. The Bible says we have not because we ask not. We spoke. I spoke recently about that beautiful picture uh, Warren Marcus brings out in his book, the ancient uh, priestly prayer of blessing, talking about Numbers chapter six. Uh, I had a, a wonderful conversation with him when he was writing this. Got, I had the opportunity to write an endorsement for his book, and I. I was reading a manuscript for his book on an airplane and just getting so excited about the revelation of the Father's desire to bless us that I couldn't wait to get back to my hotel room when I got off the airplane and get on my knees and receive the Father's blessing. And Numbers 6 tells us it's that beautiful Aaronic blessing. Uh, The Lord bless you and keep you The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. As we come to ask God for whatever we need, we can have a revelation and a knowledge that it's the Father's delight, his good pleasure to give you the kingdom, to bless you. The word bless means actually to kneel down and give a gift. And this is what the, the Lord is saying when he says, the Lord bless you. The Lord, I, I want to come down and make myself accessible to you, available to you, and I wanna give you gifts. It's an astonishing thought. That's what the Hebrew actually means, to kneel down and to give gifts. And God himself humbled himself as a man, came down to our level to make himself accessible to us. And it's a picture of like a father on the carpet wanting to welcome and embrace his little two-year-old. This is the posture the father is waiting for us in every day if we'll come to him in prayer. And when I picture that, my heart response is simply to get down on my knees and want to come into his arms. Hallelujah. To receive what he wants to give. And as you imagine the father on his knees, wanting to embrace you, wanting to give you gifts, wanting to bless you. The next thing it it says in number six is to keep you. And the word keep means to encircle, uh, surround with thorns, protect like a hedge of thorns. And it's like the father's arms just wanna come around you and embrace you and hold you. And this is the beauty of knowing when we come to ask for help, we don't have to ask as beggars at a distance, but we are invited right into His arms, into the place where the Father wants to bless us beyond our wildest hopes, dreams, or imaginations, the Bible says in Ephesians 3. Exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask, hope, or imagine. Ask, hope, or imagine. It's pretty wild. It's not just a thing you recite. It's like, that's amazing. That's the heart of the Father. More, exceedingly, abundantly, above all you can ask or hope or imagine. I can ask, hope, and imagine a real lot. And he wants to do far above that for me. When I know that, then I'm no longer afraid or ashamed of asking. Praise the Lord, and he delights in it. And when I start to ask, I begin to realize I need to ask for more. I, I need to be asking for, for, for this person and for that and for this and for this situation. And wow, I've been thinking about that, wanting that, wanting to see that, but I don't think I've actually asked. And, and the more I, I, I get into this glorious place of asking the Lord for help, the more it begins to flow and my life throughout the day just becomes a continual place of prayer. Whereas I think of something, it becomes habitual just to ask him, hallelujah. But then it goes on and it says after, give us this day our daily bread. And we know in the Bible bread talks about healing, it can be revelation, the body of Christ, it's everything we need. But it's far more than just a dry crust, hallelujah. It's healing, it's everything you need in abundance God wants to give, hallelujah. Then he says, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. I sometimes think it's odd. Why doesn't he put that at the very beginning? Because even in my um, way of thinking as I grew up, you know, surely you gotta deal with that before he can even talk to you. Why does he leave it till the middle? because he's smarter than we are. Because he wants us to realize that our access is not based on how well we've repented, but on his goodness that leads us to repentance. And as we recognize how great he is, how glorious it is, our hearts are brought to a place where, overwhelmed by your kindness and your goodness, God, I just wanna surrender everything that's not right and, you know, through the day, if I have a thought that's not right and I recognize that was sinful or that reaction was wrong or dwelling on that thought, that was actually, I was, I was actually, that was wrong, it was sin. I don't wait until the next time I've got an extended time of prayer. I, on the spot, as soon as I realize I've done something wrong, my heart says, Lord, that was wrong, I'm so sorry. Praise the Lord. I know that I am not suddenly unadopted for that moment and have to do it quickly because, praise God, the blood of Jesus has covered my sin. Thank you, God. But because of relationship and knowing that sin, in, sin is just causes me to feel guilty, it, it's, it's awful. It's like an alarm goes off on the inside of me. Wrong, 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 wrong. And I have to deal with it, hallelujah, and I do that. Uh, by simply saying, God, that wasn't right, I'm so sorry. And the father's not there going, oh, I'm glad that you, you quickly did that because you know for a moment there you were unprotected. He's actually, but his heart is there knowing that, hey, I'm really glad your conscience is awake and alert to that, that's not healthy, that's not gonna help you. Give that to me and praise the Lord. In exchange, we receive His righteousness, his mercy, his forgiveness, his peace. Guilt is a good thing when it causes us to repent and acknowledge our sin. If you're a Christian and you're sinning, you are going to be so unhappy, because on the inside, your conscience is going to be going, ah, ah, Not good, not good." And the more you don't deal, it in terms of acknowledging it before the Lord and rejecting that sin, the more you're going to be out of peace and in torment, because sin brings torment. So I I do that quickly, but then when I come to pray, because I keep short accounts with the Lord, I, I don't normally have like, all right, ready to unload on you all my sin, God. But I take the time with him and I say, Lord, is there anything in my life at the moment that is grieving you, that isn't isn't right? Is there anything I'm not seeing? Is there anything I'm doing or saying or attitudes I have? Lord, show me, and he does. And I realize, ooh, I've been a bit judgmental about that person or I've had a bad attitude there. And as soon as I recognize it, it's like hooray. Oh, thank you, Lord. Thank you, I give you that. And thank you for help. Show me how, yes, God, to think rightly about them or whatever it might be. And repentance is a beautiful thing. It's, It's a healthy, healing, happy thing. It's, oh, hooray. Oh, yay, I'm glad that you showed me that, God, because my heart desire is to walk completely in righteousness and holiness and freedom and truth. Hallelujah. It's what we were created for. And then it says, Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Now, this can be a really big one for people. Because when people sin against you, it's painful. It hurts. And I've struggled over my life many times with the concept of forgiveness, thinking, if I just forgive them, like, and they've. They, feel like I've forgiven them, and they haven't acknowledged their sin and turned from it, then it's gonna be like I'm endorsing it or thinking it's okay. I mean, God, how are they gonna know that they're doing the wrong thing if I just forgive them? Anyone ever had that thought? I need to show them, just like, yes, hi, how are you? (laughs) Give them, you know, the cold shoulder while, while trying to put on a Christian face. Because you know, they need to know that they did the wrong thing. But in fact, that's actually not the forgiveness that God wants us to give. And it's not healthy and it's not helpful for us. Elsewhere in scripture it says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Yes. How does he forgive you? Well, when I come to him and I say, oh God, oh God, oh God, I should have done that, that I was thinking about that for, oh. Oh, sorry, God, I'm embarrassed. I'm so sorry, Lord, forgive me, I'm so sorry. He doesn't, he doesn't remind me about it the next day because the Bible says that he separates us from our sin as far as the east is from the west. He makes no mention of past sins. He doesn't even recall it. Praise God. So he never brings it up again. He's not, not thinking about it. He's not thinking about how he's gonna punish you for that because Jesus was already punished, hallelujah. And it takes faith to receive what you can have no part in earning. And so we are then called to forgive like he forgave, which is to forgive and forget. But God, what if we're still living with the daily ramifications of what they've done? How do we, how do, we do that? How do we forgive like you? I, um, I've had nights where I'm trying to go to sleep, and then all of a sudden, I'll start thinking about a random offence someone did months ago, and then start to go down a track of, oh, I would have liked to have said this, and I start writing a speech, oh, well, yeah, I should have said, oh, that would have that really made them understand they did the wrong thing. And I'm Working on this speech before I realize what I'm doing, I'm working on this speech for 30 minutes at two in the morning and realizing oh, I'm actually never even going to have the opportunity to deliver this speech. And what's happened is I've been trapped into being re-traumatized by the whole event that just went on by something that's not even legally allowed to cause me pain anymore. So I asked the Lord to help me. and. You know, I've forgiven, Lord, I've forgiven them. So what am I doing thinking about this again? And the Lord helped me by showing me a picture. I just imagined a big glass wall, big, thick, unbreakable wall. And what has been forgiven, what I have forgiven is over there, it's on the other side of the wall. It can't touch me anymore. So when it's forgiven, it's over there and I'm over here. On this side of the wall is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Yay! Over there, pain, sin, shame, regret, bitterness, trauma, ah! Praise God. So when a thought comes, oh, you should have said this to them, oh, you should have said that. As soon as you recognize that thought coming, you've gotta recognize, hang on, this is not righteousness, peace, and joy. This is something that's on the other side of the wall. So no, oh, thank God, I don't have to deal with that. I was um, reading this morning in family devotions with, with, the, uh, with the family, and we were reading about Hezekiah. And when Sennacherib, the Assyrian king, came to attack Judah, they sent an envoy who started going on, carrying on. I got to read that part this morning. And he's he's saying, hey, Israelites, how are you to think that your God's gonna deliver you? Has any God delivered any nation from us, the Assyrians? You are just doomed and you cannot accept that you are gonna be able to be rescued by your God. You should just give up and let us take you captive." And, and um, one of Hezekiah's guys says, hey, 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 sh- shh, sh- can, you, can you speak in Aramaic so they don't all hear you in Hebrew? Because they're getting a bit worried. And, and the envoy goes, no, we're gonna say it in Hebrew because we want them all to hear. Don't you listen to your king and let with him telling you to, to uh, trust in, the, in your Lord. There's been no lords that have been able to rescue anybody from the Assyrian army, from the might. And he carries on for like paragraphs and paragraphs. <laughs> and it reminded me of a movie that we saw recently. It was a Tom Hanks film called uh, Greyhound. And it was based on... These warships, that battleships, that would accompany uh, convoys of merchant ships and troop carriers and supply ships across the Atlantic between 1939 and 1945 during World War II, and in the middle of the Atlantic was this stretch of water that was known as the Dark Pit, in that for several days, they wouldn't have air cover to protect them from the Nazi U-boats that would come. Because for a a large part of the journey, they could have air cover from America. And on the last part of the journey, they could have air cover from England. But in the middle there, it was just too far for them to have air, air cover. And so the battleships would have to be trying to protect all the merchant ships, all the passenger ships, all the um, troop carriers that have to protect them from these U-boats and thousands and thousands of ships would be lost, torpedoes. And in the movie they'd have suddenly um, over the radio, the Nazis would um, start airing psychological warfare, propaganda saying, Ah, uh, you've lost this many ships. Do you think you'll get through the night? No, you're going to die just like the rest of them. It, we're coming, we are the wolf pack. We are gonna get you. And, and the captain in the movie would say, change the channel. And they'd change it and the, the words would go all warbly and, and then they couldn't hear it anymore. And they'd come to try and intimidate and bring fear. And we know, uh, since Sennacherib's day they've been doing psychological warfare as a real thing because if they can get people to be afraid, they're much more vulnerable to be being taken out. And it reminded me a lot of what goes on in my head sometimes at one or two in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I 'm tuning <laughs> in. I'm going to speak to that hoy oh, It wasn't it unjust what happened there? Oh, you should have. Oh, you should have told them this, rah, rah, rah. or fears, or whatever they might be. But now I recognise. Hey, hello. I know what you are. All that stuff's on the other side of that wall. No, I don't have to listen to that. Praise the Lord. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Oh, thank God I'm free from that. Oh, hooray, I don't have to be re-traumatized by that again. Hallelujah. And you know, you have to retrain your brain because my brain can actually get used to drama. Like, oh, okay, it's over there. It's done, it's finished. It's over on that side of the wall. Oh, so what have I got to think about now? Oh, peace, this is nice. Wow, righteousness, joy, what does it feel like? Oh, praise the Lord, to be as he is, he is love. Wow, how does it feel to be kindness personified? Oh, that's nice, It's a happy thought. How does it feel not to have to relive that trauma again? Oh, there's awesome, God, yay, hallelujah. And this is what I believe we need to be actively practicing when it comes to forgiving as the Lord forgives us, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Forgiveness, hallelujah, when you forgive, There is great justice when you forgive because what happens is you don't have to be traumatized by it anymore. In Matthew chapter five, it says, if someone sinned against you, and if you you, uh, go to um, present your gift at the altar and you remember someone's got something against you, a brother or sister's got something against you, leave your gift at the altar and go and be reconciled. And it's a really nice thing when someone comes to you and acknowledges, hey, I feel like there's something wrong here. And, and you say, well, yeah, actually, you really hurt my feelings when you said that. And you're able to say, oh, I'm so sorry that that hurt your feelings. I shouldn't have said it like that. And this is how I really feel. And it, oh, reconciliation's lovely. But it doesn't always happen. Sometimes people don't acknowledge that they've hurt you and they don't apologize. And and then you think, well, well now, what am I going to do? They haven't apologised. How do I forgive? In other versions of this prayer, you can read, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And I like to think of it like that sometimes. Because sometimes in my head, I'm thinking, they owe me a debt of an apology. They owe me at least to acknowledge that they did the wrong thing. And as soon as I recognize I feel they owe me, it's a debt. Ah, I can forgive debts because God's forgiven my debts. Hooray, it's a debt, I forgive it, hooray, on the other side of the wall. Whether they apologize or not, it doesn't matter because it's on the other side of the wall and it can't hurt me anymore, hallelujah. This works for me, I know it seems pretty simple, but hey, I really needed the help of the Holy Spirit. And I think you probably do too. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. That is even expectations you've had of people. Like I remember when my kids were young and I had this expectation that my mother should want to babysit the kids. She didn't very often. And Tom's mom loved to babysit the kids, and I'd get in my head, oh, yeah, she owes me a debt, she should be a grandmother, she should like want to babysit for me. And I got a bit worked up about it a bit too often. And then I realized, hey, even though actually she doesn't owe me anything, I feel like it's a debt, so I can forgive it, hallelujah. And then as I forgive that, suddenly I realize, wow, I've really been comparing her and being unkind. Oh, God, I'm sorry. I forgive. I forgive myself. I'm sorry, Lord, for doing that. Sorry for being, having that attitude. Hallelujah. <sighs> it's so good. All of that. And you know what else is on the other side of that wall? All of my sin. All of the things that would try to harass me with regret. If only when you were younger, you hadn't done that. Wow, oh, in the middle of the night, here it comes, if only, oh, if only you hadn't said that. Wow, oh, how stupid that was. Oh, if only you've wrecked everything now. And as soon as you hear that spiritual propaganda, you can recognize, hey, I'm going to change the channel. That's on the other side of the wall. I'm going to tune into Righteousness, Peace and Joy right now. Ha, actually, that is pain I'm able to sow for double recompense, hallelujah, praise the Lord. I don't have to let that regret torment me today because it's on the other side of the wall, hallelujah. Today, I'm receiving beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning. I'm receiving double for my trouble, even when I have brought the trouble on myself, hallelujah, because my God is good, hallelujah. I live in the place of righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Spirit, hallelujah. You know, the Holy Spirit wants to hold your hand and walk you through all of this. I'm not pretending that it doesn't really hurt when someone does something wrong. I'm a sensitive person and I feel pain very acutely. Anybody else know what I'm talking? Some people, it doesn't seem to bother them. Me, it bothers me. And it bothers me. But I have to, I have to, I can't just ignore it and pretend that it's not bothering me. I have to talk to the Lord about that. And you know what? The Bible says that He, um, he knows our deepest longings and our, our greatest desires. Our tears are liquid words, and He can read them all. Uh, that's in the Passion Translation. And I love it, the idea that he can understand my pain. He knows my sorrow. He knows what it's like to be betrayed, to be rejected, to be hurt, to be slandered. He, he was spat on, he, was, he, he endured so much more than I've ever endured and yet he doesn't make light of the pain that I'm feeling. He, he wants to be my comforter, my helper, hallelujah. As I bring him my pain, he wants to pour in his love. Poor in his comfort, and he's so good. He doesn't sit there going, oh, goodness, really, do you need comfort for that? He, he just doesn't do that. He's like, I know you. Here, come here. You need a cuddle. And he's so good at it because he is love personified. He, his name, one of his names of the Holy Spirit is the comforter who wants to comfort you in all of your trouble. That's happy news, and don't roll your eyes. I mean, even some of you really tough men who think, I never need any comfort. Actually, you do, you do. People go to all sorts of things for comfort, to try and distract themselves, to try and numb the pain, but the Holy Spirit wants to comfort you. Then he wants to help you put it over on the other side and realize, it now no longer has any power to hurt you ever again.